could, go ahead and open your Bibles to James chapter 3. And we're going to pick back up this morning in James chapter 3. Going through this series that we've called Working from Victory. And so this is us establishing that God has laid before us not only a victory to be celebrated, but also a calling to obedience and a calling to this work that He's, he's given us. This is truly our blessing as the step into the work that He has for us. And so in this... He, uh, James lays out this very practical map of, of actions, of, of how those things function, how those things work uh, in regards to the victory that Jesus has ensured for us on the cross. And so last week, church, last week, just to kind of recap a little bit, uh, last week we talked about our speech and how our speech, when motivated by this victory that we work from, uh, builds up and, 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 and how it functions and it reveals us as sanctified and it, and it drastically affects the world around us. And so when our speech is motivated by this faithful victory, we see the work of God come from it. Okay. And so this morning we're going to pick up in James chapter 3. We're going to jump into it. James chapter 3. And we're going to see the, that, that really the source of everything, that every action that we do comes from this point that we're kind of talking about this morning. We mentioned it in James chapter 1. And remember we talked about between James chapter 2 and James chapter 5 is when he really begins to kind of flesh out all the things that we're called to do and, and that we can do from this place of victory. And so this morning we're going to see kind of the, the source at which all of our action dwells from and comes from and overflows from is this place, what we'll see this morning of wisdom. Okay, the Bible's going to teach us, James is going to talk to us Christians, believers this morning about wisdom. Okay, and so you know how I like to sum things up because I'm simple and I like things to be simple for us to be, uh, to understand. And so uh, the sermon in a sentence this morning, if we could understand something this morning, it is this. If we could take one thing away, that knowledge gained, knowledge gained is only as good as the wisdom guiding it. Okay, that knowledge gained is only as good as the wisdom guiding it. And so what I want us to hear this morning is this, is that we can know so much in our lives, right? We can have so much knowledge. We can have so much information. But how it is applied, how our knowledge is applied shows the work of our faith. Okay, how our knowledge comes to action shows and reveals the work of our faith in our life. And so we can take this into consideration as we move through. We'll see these things play out. But specifically, as we think about it in the things we've talked about in the past, in James chapter 2, we talked about it in regards to discrimination and how we treat people and individuals. And then we talked about in James chapter 3, we've talked about the outworking of our faith and our speech and what comes from us. And so this morning, as we talk about wisdom, I hope that we'll see, and we'll kind of talk about in the beginning, the difference between knowledge and wisdom and how those things work together. But this morning, God, the, God's going to show us through his word in James how valuable and how important our wisdom is in guiding our knowledge to accomplish the work that God's got for us. So James chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 13 and read down to verse 18. So let's read that together this morning. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, 
full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So this morning you can see that really tell that the theme of what we're talking about this morning is wisdom. And what God's trying to communicate to us, what he's trying to show us is wisdom. Now, the reality is we understand that we're all seeking wisdom, right? We all want wisdom uh, because and maybe we haven't always understood it this way, but because our wisdom guides and motivates our knowledge and uses our knowledge wisdom uh, takes our knowledge and applies it. And so this morning, the first thing that I want us to understand before we kind of get into the rest of it is what is wisdom? When we're talking about wisdom, what are we talking about? Because the reality is, like I said, we're all searching for wisdom. We're all looking for it. And James is telling us here to elevate the state of our wisdom. Even here in James chapter uh, in thir- 13, the first half, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? He's calling for this evaluation. See those people, seek those people out because there's something about this type of wisdom. And so he's bringing us to this idea. And, and the Bible itself is very concerned about wisdom. Uh, there's, there's so much text throughout the Bible that speaks of wisdom from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Specifically, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, there are three books totally, totally given over to communicating wisdom. Okay, to guiding our life by wisdom. And that's Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. And so what these books are doing, especially Proverbs, if you were to lean into the book of Proverbs and really read it, uh, you would see that it just is so practical and it's so specific to the way that we interact and the way that we live and the way that we walk in, in, in regards to wisdom. Okay, and so wisdom defined as this. Wisdom is the quality of discerning. Okay, the quality of discerning what is true, what is ethically right, what should be done in different situations. It's the ability to discern or to judge what is true and right or lasting. So wisdom is different than knowledge. We have to understand that wisdom is different than knowledge. And so knowledge is information gained. And I think we understand that, right? But I think a lot of times we don't necessarily separate those two things, that we just assume because we have knowledge, we have wisdom, but that's not the case. Okay, knowledge is information that have get, that has been gained through experience, through reasoning, through acquaintance, through study, whatever it might be. So we can have tons of knowledge about tons of different things, but we not, may not necessarily have, and what we'll see here in just a minute, the right wisdom, the right wisdom guiding it, the right wisdom directing it, the right, right wisdom applying it. We can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge because our wisdom uses the knowledge that we have. And so what is dependent on our actions is what wisdom we're taking in. What wisdom is guiding our knowledge? What wisdom are we using? Because we have to, we have to understand that, that, that our knowledge is directed by our wisdom. And so it's this, if we can kind of put it this way, knowledge is knowing how to use a gun, where wisdom is knowing when to use it and when to keep it holstered. Okay? Knowledge, is, knowledge understands the light turn, has turned red, where wisdom applies the brakes. Remember, but, and you can see in these situations that there's a choice to be made. And so the knowledge tells us one thing where the, the wisdom provides the action. Knowledge sees the quicksand and wisdom walks around it. Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments and wisdom obeys them. Knowledge learns of God and wisdom loves Him. Knowledge learns of God, but wisdom loves Him. So wisdom is the application of knowledge. 
Okay, just for us to be able to kind of understand that, to, to put that together. And so, but what we can see, even from those illustrations, right, is we can see that wisdom can either be an effective tool for building up or it can be a destructive weapon. Okay, it can be a destructive weapon depending on what is the source of our wisdom. And like I said, the Bible is very concerned about our wisdom. It is very concerned about how we take in wisdom and how we apply wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, like I said, if you were to get into it, you would see so much about wisdom. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Okay, and that word insight sometimes is translated wisdom. But it is calling us to get something deeper than just knowledge. To grab onto something deeper than just a general understanding of something. Because there's a lot of things I have a general understanding about, but most of those things I don't have the wisdom to actually do or participate in, right? I mean, you can think about those things in your own mind. And so, uh, you know, the wisdom, come, and the thing we have to understand about wisdom, because we see that in that verse in Proverbs, where he's telling us to get it, to gain it. Wisdom is not something we inherently have. Wisdom is not something that we, we, just, we just have. I mean, we can see that as we grow up, you can apply that to our lives. That's from children up to adulthood. And, and as we get older, that, that we learn things differently in a way that it's not just knowledge obtained, but it's the wisdom to apply the knowledge appropriately. Correct. You know, I mean, there are things that you do as a as a three, four, five year old that you have the knowledge of, but you choose the wisdom that you're using is either good wisdom or it's bad wisdom. Right. It's the way it's applied. You either. And, and it takes time through life experience or more teaching to really learn when, how to apply that knowledge the correct way. Proverbs 24 verses 13 and 14. It says, my son, eat honey. For it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. That wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. So the thing we have to understand, church, is that wisdom is not from within us. Okay, wisdom is not from within us. Wisdom is something that we gain. That there is a source of our wisdom that we have to draw from. That we have to pull into ourselves to guide the knowledge that we have. And, and two things this morning that I want us to see, and we'll probably be quick. I say that and then y'all hold, you know, I'll fail at that. But uh, two things this morning that I want us to see, two different types of wisdom this morning. The first thing that I want us to see is wasted wisdom, wasted wisdom. All right. Wisdom that takes our knowledge and wastes it. Wasted wisdom. Verses 14 through 16, we see this kind of revealed. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but an earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And so he tells us here in verse 14 that there is a type of wisdom that produces bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And there's this contrast. He says, but if you have. And so he's telling us that there is a different type of wisdom that motivates and, and creates bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. There's this there's this idea that it contrasts. And so he tells us that this type of wisdom leads to self-exaltation. It's counter gospel. It's counter Christ. And, and for me, when I think about this, this is very much reflective of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those religious leaders who had tons of knowledge. They had all the knowledge you could have. They had the, uh, the, the Old Testament memorized, the books of the Old Testament memorized. They, they just understood things and information about God so well. But we know from, uh, from the text and from God's word revealed that they did not use that knowledge very appropriately, right? 
that knowledge about the same God that Jesus Christ came proclaiming and that was the deity of, they used that knowledge about God to crucify God, right? That, so that there is a wisdom that is a wrong wisdom that uses our knowledge in the wrong way. And it says it leads to selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, self-exaltation. It's counter-gospel and counter-Christ. Counter And so in verse 15, it tells us this is not the wisdom that comes from above. So there is a wisdom that is not coming from God. And for a lot of us, even as Christians, unfortunately, Christians tend to be the worst at this sometimes, is that the knowledge that we have, we allow a, 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 a system of wisdom to come in and to use that as a weapon against people. Right? Or we use it to, to bring people down. Or we use it to our advantage. I mean, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where, where even ministers of the gospel are using their knowledge about God and the gospel to, to use and abuse people. To use and abuse people. To manipulate people. To, 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 to just take advantage of people in, in horrible, terrible uh, ways. And it's constantly coming up. And that's the world that we live in, unfortunately. But it's by this, this use of wisdom, drawing from wisdom that isn't from God our Father in heaven. And we'll see the wisdom that He has for us a little bit later on. But this wisdom that the Bible lays out for us, and it tells us this, these three qualities of this type of wisdom. If we would understand it and, 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 and understand these motivations and these sources in our life, then we could refute that wisdom, push against that wisdom, the wisdom that doesn't come from above, but this wisdom that what we see here comes from below. And this isn't necessarily a positional place, more of a, a spiritual place or what we'll see. He says here these three different uh, sources of wisdom. He says the first one is, is earthly, this earthly wisdom. And what earthly would have us kind of bring to mind is it's having only this life in view, having only this life in view. And so when you think about it like this, it's only seeing things per the physical or, or, or not seeing the eternal weight, not seeing glory, not seeing hope, limiting ourselves and our opportunity to experience joy because all we're seeing is ourself. All we're seeing is what's around us. And, and in reality, what this does is it brings our focus onto ourself, onto the natural person. That is the draw. That is the motivation within me. And 1 Corinthians tells us that the natural man is the sinful man. In verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so he tells us, when we are so earthly focused... When we see things per the, uh, per the system of the world, you know, when we talk about the world, a lot of times we relate that to a type of people, but it's not necessarily a type of people. It's more of a system. So when he tells us when our wisdom is drawn from the, the wisdom of, of earthly standards, he's, helping, he's wanting us to understand that, that this is absolutely counter-gospel because the gospel is so, is so radically hard to understand, right? Because it's so radically just merciful and love. You know, the fact that, that, that a deity, the God in heaven, would step down from earth and bear flesh and bear and, and, and choose to bear pain and choose to bear suffering and choose to, to, to leave the throne and come to, to earth and to die like no other religion in the world teaches that type of doctrine. And so the fact that us as Christians teach this, it's so unearthly, it's so un per the earth's standards and systems because for us, everything is earned. If 
If you don't do it, you don't deserve it, you don't get it. You know, that's that's the earth standard. That's the earthly system that 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 our most of our jobs probably function by. Right. If you don't show up to work, you don't get paid. And if you do a bad job, you get fired. I mean, that's that's the standard. That's the system of the world that we live in. And I'm not saying in that sense, it's not necessarily a bad system. But if you apply it to eternal things, uh, we'd be in bad shape. Right. We would be in terrible shape if that system applied to our relationship to God and our potential place in eternity. And so he tells us that this type of wisdom is motivated by earthly systems. And so when that's the standard, that we're, that's the wisdom that we're drawn from, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way we interact with people, right? It's going to change the way that we, we function. It's going to change the way that we minister. It's going to change the way that we are in our relationships and our families when we're functioning by this earthly system. You know, kind of see what you, what you see is what you get kind of a thing. And so the second thing he says is it's demonic he say, or unspiritual. Unspiritual, he says, this wisdom is unspiritual. It's, and this idea of unspiritual is being working against the Holy Spirit and seeking fleshly, fleshly gratifications. That we're seeking our own gratification, what the flesh needs, what the flesh desires. You know, this is resting in the natural state of our of our own strength. You know, and uh, in First Corinthians. Uh, of 1 Corinthians 2.14, we just read that verse where it says, you know, that, that it rejects the spiritual and that it's not able to understand, you know. And so for us in this unspiritual, what it's talking about when it's talking about, you know, unspiritual would be fleshly, that we're seeking our own gratification. And for me in, in this, I specifically thought about relationships. That was the easiest thing that I could just, that just came to mind and think about, you know, when we're functioning from this unspiritual wisdom. That's not motivated by the Holy Spirit, that, that isn't from the Lord, that isn't full of grace and mercy and love. When we enter into any relationships, really, whether it's with a spouse or even individuals, we're going to seek our own satisfaction in it when this is the source of our wisdom, which leaves no place for mercy, which leaves no place for grace, which begins to destroy and decay relationships whenever our wisdom, the knowledge that we have about a certain situation is, 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 is taking the wisdom that we have is coming from this and it's taking the knowledge that we have that, that this person said this to me or they did this to me and so per the unspiritual wisdom it would say this is what they deserve this is what needs to happen because otherwise I don't get the gratification of feeling like something's been done about it. You know and so he tells us this unspiritual wisdom and the last one he says is demonic. Demonic and, and basically just to be be straight up about it. He says this is being influenced by what Ephesians 2 2 tells us, the prince of the power of the air or the prince of the power of this age. He said there's a, a you know, the, the, the enemy has been given a sense of authority in, in our world, in, in our system. He can, you know, and what he does before us, lays before us and tempting us and drawing us away from God. And, you know, and I heard someone say one time the enemy's biggest task is not to convince us God isn't real, but to convince us that we don't need God. Right. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. And that's this wisdom that comes from this demonic place. He tells us that they want to tell you that you don't need God in your life. I mean, and that's probably the biggest fault in American Western Christianity today and in just our culture in general is that we don't feel like we need God. What do I need him for? I have this, these other systems. I have these other things to depend on. Maybe it's myself, you know, humanism. Like I have the power within me to do what I want to do, to do what I need to do, to be accomplished and to be successful and to be a good father, to be a good employee, to do these things. But 
that continues to grow and it continues to push against the, the God, the, the, the ruler of our lives. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says this wisdom, this demonic wisdom will create this idea. And in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. So the word of the cross or the work of the cross is, is ignorance to them. It doesn't make sense to them. It says they push it back. I don't need that. So the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So there's this obvious contrast between this state of wisdom that is, that is motivated by what James says, this demonic place where it's, I don't need God. I don't need God. I can accomplish it. I can get it on my own. And he says it creates bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. You know, and, and specifically, uh, we see this play out from the very beginning of, the, of, of God's word. In the very beginning of time, uh, the enemy doing that very work, that demonic work, to, to convince people that you don't need God. In, in, in Genesis chapter 3, you know, what, is, what does the serpent tell him? He says, did God actually say you should not eat of, the tree, of, of any tree in the garden? You know what he tells? He says, you shall, he tells him. He says, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So if you are like God, you don't need God. And so that's that demonic wisdom that's taking the knowledge that we have in our minds and using it in rebellion to God, using it against God or using it in a way that is not godly. And so he tells him here. And so it says in, in verse six of Genesis chapter three, you don't have to turn now, I'll just read it. In verse six, he says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired and to make one wise. To make one wise. It says that she took it. And so what, what happened after that? It said that that wisdom, you know what it led to? It led to shame. You know what that wisdom led to? It led to them pushing God away. What that wisdom led to? It led to them hiding. What did that wisdom do for them? It led to them blaming it on each other. Selfish ambition, elevating ourselves. That's what sin has been doing to us from the very beginning. That's what it seeks to do in our lives, in our marriages, in our workspaces, in our relationships. It wants us to elevate ourselves from this place of demonic wisdom. And so, and he tells us this, and, 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 he, and he wants us to understand that this wisdom is wasted. When we are, not, when we are drawing wisdom from, from earthly systems, from unspiritual realities and from dynamic, demonic powers, demonic powers, it says that we will be in rebellion against God and not only against God, but we will use our knowledge to fight to be better than people, to push people down, to use that to our advantage. And so he contrasts that continuing on. And, uh, and the second thing, the last thing this morning, that there is a working wisdom. There, there is a wisdom that works for us, that works with us, with us, and that works to give glory to God. In verse 13, he references this. He says, by his good conduct, talking about third person, by his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. And we say the word meekness a lot, but the word meekness is a very important quality to have and understand because the Bible tells us that Jesus himself had meekness 
And what have we said meekness is? Meekness is power under control. And so in regards to our knowledge and wisdom, meekness would be taking the knowledge that we have and choosing to be submissive, right? Choosing to not apply it in a way that applies power or or self-exaltation or condemnation. And so he tells us there is a work of wisdom that affects us not for selfishness and gain, but this is a wisdom that comes from a different source. This is a wisdom that comes from a different source. And James 1.5 tells us where that source is. James 1.5, he says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given. So he calls us to seek God for wisdom, for the wisdom that we need, the wisdom from above, not the wisdom from below. There is is a, a place, there is a source that he calls us to draw our wisdom from. Specifically, and that is from God in Proverbs 2, 6. He says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God is wanting to provide that for us to lead and guide and direct our lives. Proverbs 3, 13, he says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. And so we are actively searching for that wisdom. And we've saw where the sources of wisdom that aren't going to benefit us and aren't going to benefit the people around us, the earthly and spiritual and demonic. But he draws our attention to another wisdom, a wisdom from above that comes from God himself. In verse 17, he tells us, He says, but the wisdom from above. And he tells us what the wisdom from above is. He shows us, reveals to us these these attributes of wisdom from above and how we can benefit from it. The first one he says is pure. So what does the wisdom from above do? It leads us to purity. Our innocence is another word for that. It leads us to step and make decisions in that way. The second thing he says is it's peaceable. It's peaceable, that it's free from worry, that the wisdom that God wants to apply to our lives and give to us allows us to be free from worry. That we don't have to bear the burdens of our worry, not that we won't ever worry, but that in our active seeking of God's wisdom, as we get wisdom daily, as we get understanding daily, that we're bringing before him our worries. And what does he give to us back? He says he gives to us an attribute of being peaceable or free from worry. The next thing he says is it's gentle. That the wisdom from above is gentle. And that it's considerate. That that word gentle means can can be translated considerate also. And and that affects the way we treat people, see people, look at people, right? Gentle. Open to reason. Open to reason. And I think this is probably one of the most important ones that Christians can embrace Because what this is, is the idea of willing to yield or be submissive, you know, and what that open to reason, not not having to be right all the time, which is prideful, right? Self-exaltation and also being able to interact with people that we don't agree with and control it and that meekness of wisdom and not just be just harsh on people. And, you know, yes, we need to be very firm about what we believe and very concerned about what we believe. But, you know, the way that we can be with people when we're trying to have conversations or even share the gospel or have a conversation about Jesus. Look, we expect the world to be very angry, right? 
We expect them to be very abrasive. We expect them to just to just be maybe even. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of these things, these discussions where people are having about the Lord or people trying to do street evangelism. I mean, it's going to be littered with with just harsh words and they're going to be very angry about it because in their heart of hearts, they understand. They, they know that it's the truth, but their 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 will, that that spirit within them is fighting against God. And so it comes off very angry. It comes off very bitter, comes off very disgusted, you know, and so. We expect that from a world system, but what a world system should expect from Christians is that meekness of wisdom, being reasonable, being open to reason, willing to yield in a moment. And he continues on, he says, full of mercy or or compassion, having compassion for people. The next one, he says, good fruits. That if we're drawing from the wisdom from above, the wisdom from the Lord, then we will bear good fruits. We will be productive disciples. There will be evidence of it around us. Then he says, impartial or not prejudiced. Like we talked about a a couple weeks ago. You know, that there is no no room in our worldview to see anybody as different. It doesn't mean people aren't special by their differences, but that people aren't treated different, looked at different, uh, uh, abused because they're different than us. Racially, you know, what uh, 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 gender, uh, uh, you know, social class, whatever that looks like, that he tells us that the wisdom from above has no place for partiality. It has no place for favoritism. It has no place for that. He tells us that the fruit of the wisdom from above is impartial. And then the last thing he says, and I think this is one of the most vital things we understand, is that he says it's sincere, that it's genuine, that it's without hypocrisy. Then when we're drawing from the wisdom of God, that it's gonna it's gonna come from us a real revelation of a faith in Jesus. That it's gonna be visible, that it's gonna be seen, that, that it's gonna be a genuine, sincere faith. You know, in this working wisdom church. This working wisdom begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus because Jesus himself is the very source of that wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Jesus not only redeems us, he not only sanctifies us by making us more into the image of his son, and and he not only applies righteousness to us, but it says he gives us wisdom. Wisdom is as vitally important to us in our spiritual walk as redemption, sanctification, and righteousness. I mean, those are the very things that affect our standing before God, and he puts wisdom in that category. Church, us seeking wisdom from God is one of the most vital things that we do in our life. And that comes through our relationship with Jesus. 1 Corinthians one twenty four. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom. Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And so we have to remember when we see that word fear, it's not talking about this trembling fear uh, where we're afraid of God. But this fear is this respect. And in reality, what he's speaking of here is this is a fear uh, that the Lord, uh, this fearing the Lord means fearing to run away from him. Fearing to seek refuge, joy and hope anywhere other than in God. This fear that there is nothing else that provides or sanctifies or satisfies like God does. And it's in this fear that is the beginning of wisdom. It's this understanding, this knowledge that we can have 
that God is good and that everything God gives and does for us comes from him. Every good thing comes from above, the Bible tells us. That he wants to give us that. He wants to provide that for us. And when we can come to that understanding, it'll put us in this fear of ever running away from him. That we'll gain this wisdom to do and to walk where he calls us to walk. And so why is this important for us this morning? Church, the source of our wisdom matters for our sanctification and our actions. The source of our wisdom matters into who we become as individuals within our families, in our workplaces, in the places we go. I mean, there's no greater thing for a marriage. In, all, in my opinion, there is no, and I believe per God's word, there is no greater thing for a, for a marriage than for two parts of that marriage to be actively seeking the wisdom of God. Because it's going to op- it's going to create within us purity, peaceableness, uh, gentleness, uh, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. It's going to create this person. It's going to sanctify us into these people who are actively stepping into the will of God for our lives. You know, and for us, even as an individual, maybe maybe we're an individual with, with kids or, or an individual in the workplaces. Those places and spaces will never benefit more than when we are actively seeking the wisdom of God in our life. Because it's going to work on us. It's going to reveal these, these attributes and characteristics within our lives that is going to drastically affect those people. It's going to drastically affect your children. It's going to drastically affect your relationship. It's going to drastically affect the people you interact with at the place that you work. When we are seeking the wisdom of God. You know, that we would be seeking Him as the source of our wisdom, abiding in, abiding in Him, and coming back to the well and drawing from its value and its virtue, constantly pour, pulling from Him. He says He has a well that, that, that continuously flows everlasting life. Like He never runs dry. Like it's constantly there and He calls us back to it. Draw from my wisdom. Draw from my attributes. Draw from my virtue. Draw from those things because we desperately need it. Thomas Reiner, a a scholar, a preacher, and teacher from the 1600s, said this. He said, The fool wonders, but a wise man travels. A fool wonders, but a wise man travels. I feel, I know there's been times in my life, and maybe you're here this morning and you feel this way. There have been a lot of times in my life where I felt like I've just been wandering. I don't really know what I'm doing or where I'm going in my current life, whether it was with my kids or at work or with my church, you know, my ministry uh, or or whatever it is. You know, there have been times. I mean, have you ever had that? Like just just sat, maybe you sat on your bed or just sat in your car and you commute or doing something or going somewhere. And you're just like, what am I doing? Like, where am I going? What am I accomplishing? Like what what is my direction? And and for me in my life, it's in those times that I've realized that I don't know where I'm going because I'm not traveling. I'm wandering. I'm wandering because I don't know the direction I'm going because I'm not seeking the wisdom of God. Because I'm not pouring myself into into Jesus, the very source of my wisdom, the very source of my relationship uh, between people and my relationship to to my ministry and what I'm doing and what we're doing. The Bible tells us we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation as Christians. We've all been given that challenge to be ministers of the gospel. And so what do we do? How do we how do we get this wisdom? And so I just want to leave us with these three things this morning, church, and then we'll pray and we'll be done. But these three things this morning that we do to get wisdom. The first thing is we've got to want it. We've got to want wisdom. You know, Proverbs 4.8, Solomon tells, tells his readers this. He says, prize her highly. 
Wisdom is, 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 is presented in a, in a female form here, but he says, prize her highly, tr- cherish her, and she will exalt you. He says, she will honor you if you embrace her. He says, if we embrace wisdom, if we prize wisdom as highly, if we want wisdom, it will work in our life. It will begin to work in our life. The second thing is ask God for it. And we read the verse earlier, James 1.5. says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Want it? Ask for it. Ask for it daily. Ask for it moment to moment if you need it. And the last thing is pursue it. Proverbs 2, verse 2 and verse 4 through 5, he says this. Making your ear, making your ear attentive to wisdom. Inclining your heart to understanding. And if you seek it like silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Actively seek it. Want it, ask for it, and seek it, church. Because it's in that wisdom that God will mold us into not only His image, but He will use us as that light. He will use us as that source of life for the people around us that desperately need the wisdom from above. That desperately need the type of wisdom that God wants to use to take the knowledge that we hear when we read God's Word. You know, people have used God's Word for some pretty wicked things in history, right? I mean, people have used God's Word to to justify things as, as far as slavery, So understand that it's not just by reading these words that we do the right thing always. But it's by the wisdom that God gives us that we take these words and we apply them the way they're supposed to be. It's by reading these words that a husband treats his wife properly rather than reading these words and using it as a way to to be domineering over her. Right? It's by reading these words and seeking the knowledge of above that God uses what we read and applies it in a way that it builds up, that it works within us the right way and that we, we all benefit from it and God gets the glory for it. All right, so let's pray this morning, if you would, bow your heads and you know that we would begin to seek God for that wisdom. And I pray you would seek God for that wisdom in your life. You know, maybe you feel like you're wondering. I pray this morning that you could begin to travel through the wisdom of God and what He wants to do for you in your life as an individual, as a family, for your children, as you lead them, direct them, with evangelizing, with sharing the gospel with people around you, that you would seek the wisdom from above to accomplish those things and that you would, you would, you would want it. You would say, God, I want it. I want that wisdom. And then in, in understanding that you want it and that you need it, that you would ask Him for it. And then in asking for it, you would spend every day seeking it. Seeking wisdom. Understanding that to even begin to understand wisdom or get a hold of wisdom, it begins first with giving our life over to Jesus Christ because Jesus is the very essence of wisdom that God has given us. So everything we do as a believer starts there. Starts with Jesus. So if you haven't surrendered to that source, to Jesus Christ, do that this morning. Embrace Him. Hold him, exalt him as we do wisdom with him being the source of wisdom. Like that verse in Proverbs said, prize him, exalt him, desire him. Then he'll say he'll provide us with the wisdom that we need. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you've just felt like you're wandering. I pray this morning that you would see your need. You would ask him for it and seek it.
you would see a need, ask, and seek it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I just thank you so much, God, that you don't leave us in need. God, that you tell us over and over and over again in your word that you have for us, you have for us everything that we need to live a godly life. You've provided us a way. You've got the wisdom. You've got the source of life and power at your hands, at our disposal. God, you just ask. I mean, you just, all we need to do is just understand our need. God, alleviate the pride this morning. If we're, any of us are here with the pride that thinks that we know it all, have it all together, uh, Lord, strip that away. God, break us down. Lord, only to build us back up to understand that you are the source of wisdom. God, you tell us. God, you tell us that you take the foolish and make them wise. God, make me foolish this morning. God, make us foolish in, in regards in comparison to who you are, God, to embrace your wisdom the wisdom from above that you so willingly want to give to us. God, because I know for me, Father, I need your wisdom to be the best father that I can be and should be. God, I need your wisdom to be the best husband that I should be. God, I need your wisdom. God, for me, I, I need your wisdom to, 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 to minister. God, I need your wisdom in my friendships, in my workplace. God, I need your wisdom to navigate those things and to use the knowledge I gain in those things appropriately. So, Father God, I, I pray for courage and confidence to understand a need this morning that somebody would begin to embrace and to actively seek your wisdom. God, continuously draw us back to your word for this guidance. Lord, challenge us to seek you constantly for wisdom in our life. Lord, we love you. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.